Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence. This is AutoLine Daily for October 26, 2010, and now the news. Ford reported its third quarter earnings today, and the numbers are downright impressive. The company made a net profit of nearly $1.7 billion, which is $690 million higher than a year ago. It also made a profit in every region of the world except Europe, where it posted a loss of nearly $200 million. Ford also paid down its debt by another $2 billion, and says it will end the year with the same amount of cash and debt, which would represent at least a $9 billion improvement since the beginning of the year. But here's what makes all these numbers so impressive. Ford's revenue, which is all the money it brought in over the last three months, actually declined by $1.7 billion. The fact that it brought in so much less money but made so much more profit shows just how productive and efficient the company has become. Our colleagues over at Car and Driver dug up some inside information on BMW's future product plans, including a 2 Series model. What evidence do they have? Well, BMW just filed a U.S. trademark application for the monikers 220, 230, 235, and M2. Could these be the front-wheel drive cars it's allegedly developing? Possibly, but the notion of a high-performance M model using this powertrain layout just doesn't seem right. Here is a possible scenario, though. In the coming years, the 1 Series could shrink and go front-wheel drive, while the 2 Series picks up the leftover rear-wheel drive platform from the current 1 Series. Does that make sense? It seems to, since the 230 and 235 names imply six-cylinder engines, and it's mighty hard to fit a long inline power plant in a transverse front-wheel drive engine bay. What do you think BMW's up to? Post your response in the comments below. Nissan just introduced its own hybrid in Japan, the Fuga, which is known as the Infiniti M in the U.S. A lithium-ion battery helps power the car, along with a 3.5-liter V6 engine that's mated to an electric motor and a 7-speed transmission. The Fuga Hybrid gets 19 kilometers per liter, which translates to about 45 miles per gallon on the Japanese driving cycle. Nissan says it's able to travel up to 100 kilometers an hour, that's about 62 miles an hour, on a level highway, driving only on electric power. The Nissan Fuga goes on sale at the beginning of November in Japan, and pricing starts at $71,000, which is about 20 grand more than the non-hybrid version. While Nissan is pushing its latest hybrid and electric cars, it is definitely worried about getting the raw materials it needs to make them. As we've been reporting on AutoLine Daily for weeks, China has cut off Japan from getting its rare earth metals, and you can't make hybrids or electric cars without those materials. As a result, prices of those materials have more than doubled. Now, Bloomberg reports Nissan is seeking alternative sources for those metals. But reports out of Germany says it could take a decade to build up mines in other countries to replace China, which has 90% of the global market. The U.S. Department of Transportation and the Environmental Protection Agency issued fuel economy standards for heavy-duty trucks for the first time ever. This affects tractor trailers, heavy-duty pickups and vans, and vocational vehicles. The standards require a 7 to 20% reduction in both fuel consumption and CO2 
depending on the category of vehicle. The new rules start in 2014 and run through 2018. It's projected this will save 500 million barrels of oil and cut greenhouse gas emissions by 250 million metric tons over the lives of these vehicles produced within the program's first five years. Man, is it expensive being rich? Autoblog reports via celebrity gossip site TMZ that rock star Axl Rose is being sued by Bentley for close to $74,000. Seems he was less than kind to the 2006 Continental Flying Spur he leased from the fine folks at Crew. He apparently returned the car several months past its due date with body damage, including a cracked windshield and a broken taillight, plus a few dents in the doors and a busted bumper. But here's the kicker. It was 42,000 miles over the lease limit. 42,000 miles. What? He was using it as a taxi cab? How do you go so many miles over your lease? And how do the Chevy Volt and Nissan Leaf compare to each other? We'll take a look at that right after this. Introducing Bridgestone's third generation of run-flat tires with groundbreaking new Bridgestone technologies. Bridgestone run-flat tires offer improved ride comfort, lower rolling resistance, and improved wear while giving you the peace of mind and comfort you need. There's a lot of controversy comparing the Nissan Leaf to the Chevy Volt, but it all has to do with whether or not the Volt is truly an electric car or whether it's a hybrid. But let's set their powertrains aside for the moment. I just got a chance to test drive both cars back to back, and here's my impression of what the cars are like. If you're interested in an electric car, you only have two choices right now, at least from the major manufacturers. And those two choices, of course, include the Chevrolet Volt and the Nissan Leaf, two very different looking vehicles. In fact, the Volt is a very conventional looking car. A lot of people may not even realize it is an electric. The Leaf, on the other hand, man, this car looks different than anything on the road, and people are definitely going to pick up on the fact that it is a different car. One thing that you'll notice, too, between the two is how much taller the Leaf is than the Volt. And then we got to take a look at the back and see the differences there. And, of course, these are two very different-looking vehicles once again. What's that give you for luggage space? We've already put the back seats down on these vehicles. And so what you'll notice with the Leaf is you've got a nice big opening here. You've got a reasonably a good amount of luggage space in here, but there's this cross member that runs here that's really kind of blocking your way if you want to put things in the back. On the Volt, on the other hand, you have probably the same amount of luggage space, even with the back seats down, but because you do not have that cross member, there's probably more usable room here. So what's it like getting in and out of them? Let's start with the Volt. Getting into the front seat is a pretty easy matter. You just slide like in, like you had with any car. I fit well in this. The back seat is a little bit of a different matter on the other hand. When you get in here, let me put the back seat back up, is I get in here very comfortably and there's plenty of knee room, maybe not that much thigh support. I'm more on my tailbone here and so in a long ride, this thing's not going to be all that comfortable. But when I go to get out, my, my feet hang up between the seat and the sill on the floor here. So I have to sort of twist my foot to be able to get out of there. So if you've got ankles that hurt, don't get a Volt. Let's compare that now to the Leaf. Getting into the Leaf, I mean, you've seen people get in cars a million times, of course. But 
again, you slide right in, but what you notice in the leaf right away is, man, you got a ton of headroom in here. Of course, the vehicle's taller. And getting into the back seat, too, is pretty good. Once you get in here, you'll find that you sit up higher than what you are in the back seat of the Volt. And again, you still have a reasonable amount of headroom because the vehicle's taller. But once again, you don't get that much thigh support. So for a long ride, this vehicle's probably not going to be very comfortable back here. But it is a whole lot easier for me to slide right in and out of the back seat of the Leaf compared to the Chevrolet Volt. The engine compartments of the vehicle are very different as well. In fact, the Leaf almost looks like it's got a four-cylinder engine, but you're actually looking at the electric motor, whereas the Volt really looks like an electric car, and you've got all these orange wires hanging out. When it comes time to recharge the vehicles, the Leaf is a little bit more cumbersome to get at the plug, but not that hard. With the Volt, though, it's very easy. The door just swings automatically open for you when you push the button. This whole Leaf versus Volt argument is really going to come down to two things. Which car do you think looks better? And do you think you can live with a Leaf which only has a 100 mile range? Or do you need a partial electric that can go further than that? Which is what the Volt offers. And that's it for today's report on the top news in the global automotive industry. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.